Welcome into the Thunder Basketball Universe. We're taking you back to December. A lot was happening for the Thunder, a winning record, a memorable last second heave, and who could forget Steven Adams in a tailored suit. We're getting into all of that and so much more in today's Thunder Basketball Universe. Well, Nick, producer Hindi, and I are continuing in our look back series. We have now rolled all the way into December, and this was such a big month for the Thunder. So many memorable things, and between that, Christmas, New Year's Eve, I've been really looking forward to this episode. I don't know about you, Nick. This is when Thunder basketball really became a blast to be a part of, to watch, just to be around the team. I think, Paris, you and I are so lucky that we got to be a part of this group this season. Who knows how it'll end up, but I'm going to remember the month of December very fondly because that's when it felt like this group finally hit its stride, figured out who it was, and they came to play every night. It was really fun to watch, and I'm glad you started to lay out some of that because we're going to set the scene a little bit. Going into December, like we talked about in our last Look Back pod, the Thunder kind of went through a gauntlet of November. They were still finding their footing and hadn't quite turned the corner yet into the identity of the team that we saw in December. The, the biggest thing was just how resilient the team was and some of those games that were losses during October and November, they became wins in December. They really leaned on Chris Paul coming down the stretch. The defense locked in. They became the best fourth quarter team in the entire league during this stretch. And, you know, to go 12-5 and five in the month of December, it really came down to the way that they executed in crunch time. So many of these games we're within five points with five or less minutes to go. And Nick, you led right into it. So much happened in December that even off the court, just things happening with this team, that it would be impossible to fit all of that into one podcast. So we're going to go through some of the most memorable moments from December because there was plenty to choose from. As Nick, you alluded to a lot of crunch time games, a lot of crunch time wins, and even several comebacks and that's where we'll start one of the most memorable moments of December really was a memorable series for the Thunder and it was incredible comebacks after being down 20 plus points the first one came against the Chicago Bulls at home it was a sleepy start to that game and really actually pretty ragged the Thunder just kept turning the ball over a million times Chicago had the most aggressive defense in the league so far this season in terms of the forcing turnovers, making steals. They really did a nice job of pressuring the ball. And that got the Thunder flummoxed. Uh, SGA did not have a very good night, only seven points in the game. And the Thunder was reeling. And then in the third quarter, OKC really leveraged that aggressiveness against Chicago and did a nice job of flipping the script completely. They executed out of some of those traps, and they were able to get up ahead of the defense and really just blew the Bulls out of the building in the second half. Yeah, the Thunder gave up 39 points off turnovers, just was not what the Thunder was used to doing. I mean, they were just not having a very good game. But like you said, they came together and they stayed with it. This was kind of one of the first games that Thunder fans learned. Do not leave Chesapeake Energy Arena early because this team, you don't know what this team is capable of doing so much. And they actually set a franchise record for comeback amount of points overcome 26 points they were down and they came back 
and ended up winning the game. And then two nights later, they had to do it all over again against the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, But that was a fun scene before the game. Earlier in the month, Chris Paul had gotten suits tailored for every single one of his teammates, recognizing that some guys maybe didn't have a really nice suit to wear to a game. And so all the guys walked in on that concrete runway, showing off their new threads. We had a lot of turtlenecks. We had some some, uh, GQ styling looks. And... It didn't really show itself to start the game. Uh, they definitely finished in style. Yeah, I really thought the look good, feel good, feel good, play good thing would kind of roll over into the start of the game against the Grizzlies, but that wasn't necessarily the case. It was a really slow start for the Thunder coming out of the gates, a little lethargic. Um, but in the second half, a light switched, and really it was ignited by Dennis Schroeder. Dennis was fantastic. He had 22 of his 31 in the second half of that game. And this was when the momentum was starting to turn for Dennis. He was really embracing that six man role. And although, you know, he's a guy that definitely projects as a starter in this league, he was a guy that was coming off the bench, willingly sacrificing, and he was tearing defenses apart. This is when his shot making and the amplification of that jump shot from previous seasons really started to show itself, particularly from behind the three point line. I want to kind of go back to the suits because we can't just glaze over that because I think that falls under one of the most memorable moments in December as well. Seeing Steven Adams in a full suit was just fantastic. With the, with the tip of the cap as well, you know, he had the, the newsboy cap. I don't even know what kind of hat you would call that, but it was marvelous, especially with his long flowing locks streaming down from underneath it. It definitely turned everybody's heads after they saw that on social media. And I don't know what was better, seeing that for myself or seeing his teammates' reactions in the locker room when he walked in. I remember seeing Dennis's, was it Instagram or Snapchat, where he just, the whole locker room was just going crazy because Steven was wearing shoes. That was fun as a one-by-one guy streaming into the locker room and everybody being curious about what they were going to look like. It was, uh, it was picture day for sure. For sure. And Hami was one of my favorite reactions as well. He just, he, he was walking down the concrete run- runway and he was like, I feel like a million dollars. It's just like, that's exactly the kind of effect you would want these suits to have. Another really memorable moment for the Thunder during this month was the heave. We can't forget about that. Nick, you wrote an, an incredible article about this and it was in the beginning of December and it was another lead up to a Thunder overtime win. Just incredibly ridiculous finish to this game. We had the jersey tuck-in issue with Jordan Bell that results in a technical free throw for the Thunder. Carl Anthony Towns makes a free throw that people maybe thought he was going to try to miss intentionally. And that gave the Thunder and Steven Adams a chance to inbound the ball. Steven and Dennis had previously done some discussing on the court. We could just see some hand motions and some conversation. I have no idea what they were actually saying to each other. Steven launches a Hail Mary pass down court. Dennis streaks down like he's a wide receiver, banks it in off the glass. Crowd goes nuts. Dennis runs into the security guard. It was completely- My personal favorite moment right there. Dennis running yeah, the into big the security hug, The big hug between Dennis and the security guard. I love it. 
That was such an incredible game. And I mean, that moment led up to a really dominating overtime for the Thunder. They didn't trail at any point. They really held on to the win. And that really kind of was a little microcosm of the type of momentum that this team was building. They come together when times get tough. You mentioned that final sequence going into the actual heave. And there were several empty possessions for the Thunder. They had a chance to tie, had a chance to take the lead. Lou Dort got a massive steal down the stretch of that game as well. And, but it just showed that when times get tough, you can still count on the team to do something to put the ball through the hoop when it matters. Well, that's when we were starting to realize that we could maybe rely on this team to actually make those plays. Previously, outside of maybe a, a clutch steal by SGA up in Golden State, we hadn't seen too many of these crunch time finishes yet. But I love the fact that you're mentioning Lou Dort here. This was the first inklings that maybe he was going to be a player as well. Billy Donovan having the trust and faith in him to throw him into the mix with a couple minutes left to go and, and, you know, seconds remaining on the clock to go in there and make a play. Uh, That was fantastic to see. And that's been a hallmark all season long is coach Donovan has really utilized the bench and trusted in these guys to go out there. And if they make mistakes, that happens, but If not, we're going to try to get something out of these guys. There were several memorable stats in that game that should all be recognized. But one of my personal favorites was that Lou recorded three seconds of action in that fourth quarter. Three seconds. And it was just enough for him to get that steal and help his team stay in the game. That was by far my favorite stat. The final memorable moment from December, there are a ton, but these are just our top three, was SGA's scoring frenzy. He really went through a hot streak during December, hitting his career high 32 points three times within five games. It was absolutely an incredible showing of his potential. Phoenix, Clippers in back-to-back games, and then later in his homecoming up in Toronto. Toronto was absolutely fantastic. I mean, the year before, he had a great game in Toronto with the Clippers, 19 points as a a rookie in in this league, but then come back next year, new team, and put the most points on the floor of any Canadian to play in Scotiabank Arena in the NBA. Well, and he banked in a runner that was absolutely critical to win that game uh, and, you know, actually had just an incredible heads-up play as well to run out the clock. Uh, sprinting away from Raptors players and to go in there, even though Toronto was shorthanded, you, you know, you go in and you beat the, the defending champs on their floor. That was a huge confidence booster, I think, to this Thunder squad as they were rolling into the new year at that point. I want to pull back to the win against Phoenix. That's when the scoring binge started and SGA just was firing on all cylinders. The first eight minutes of this game, He scored at all three levels of the floor, at the rim, in the mid-range, from behind the arc. We were starting to see more of that step-back three as well. And one of the things that really stuck out to me during his scoring outburst in these two games, he was finding ways to get to the rim when all other options seemed like they didn't work. The first option or the first action came up empty, and then maybe the secondary action came up empty. But Shea ended up with the ball in his hands. And for any scorer, if the first action didn't work, second action didn't work, shot clock's winding down, that's go time. And I think it was really cool for us to see, and I think for him as well, to know, you know, when the shot clock's going down, the team trusts me with the ball, and I can showcase some of my creativity and my craftiness. You couple that 
with his insanely quick first step, and we saw some incredible finishes from him. That first step is definitely underrated. He seems like he's going maybe at a slower pace when you're watching him on the court, but it's really his ability to mix and match the speeds. He can get his shoulder past you with that first step, but once he's got you on his hip because he's kind of got a a wider frame, longer uh, limbs, he can keep you on that hip for a while and then use his ball handling and his footwork to get the exact angle that he actually wants to against Phoenix and against the Clippers. He put on some devastating Euro step finishes and was able to get all the way to the bucket and finish in ways that not many players can do in this league. And it was really good. I think for Thunder fans to see him put out this sort of scoring outburst because Thunder fans will remember his scoring kind of dropped a little bit during that November stretch as defenses started to figure him out and started to read his tendencies and find ways to guard him, which happens with younger younger players. But it was really good to see him and fun to watch him get really back into the into the scoring column. So those were all of the most memorable moments from December. And while those are fantastic and caught a lot of headlines, there are some moments that kind of flew under the radar for the Thunder during this time, just for the sheer fact that there was so much going on. And one of our favorites, we'll start here, is with Steven's charge against Utah. Nick, I, you were there. What was going through your head when that happened? He was just so proud. Uh, the whole bench exploded. He put his hand up in the air with one finger up, raised up high, signifying he had finally gotten his first charge. He's usually a shot blocker, but not on that night. And I remember post-game, I wasn't there, but I remember seeing it on, on social media. He kind of was in his locker, looked over his shoulders. The reporters asked him a question, and he said, yeah, but did you see the charge? And he was like, screenshot it, write about it, whatever you got to do. Just make sure that it gets talked about. I think that's how everybody was feeling after that. Got to get his credit, man. Oh, for sure. That was amazing. Okay, the second most kind of not super talked about moment, but a huge accomplishment for one of the Thunder's point guards, Chris Paul hit his 18,000th career point in December. And that was actually in the same game that the Thunder came back against Chicago. An absolute great showing for Chris. He had a phenomenal stat line, including 30 points, just turned on the clutch time, you know, go thrusters, and really took over the game and now put him in some really elite company. Yeah, alongside John Stockton, Isaiah Thomas, in terms of the points-assists combination. I know Chris likes to, to – reminisce a little bit about what might have been when he got into the league his goal was to pass Stockton on the assists and steals list he says he's probably not going to make that happen now Stockton is just so far ahead of everybody else but you know really cool to see those guys in the same sentence as Chris Paul and we know CP3 is going to be a Hall of Famer too incredible accomplishment for one of the most accomplished players on this Thunder team. And I don't think it should have gone unnoticed. I don't think it did go unnoticed. It was just the fact that there were 26 points down, came back and won, and it was a historic night for the Thunder. That could have easily gotten overlooked. Speaking of grizzled, longtime NBA veterans, let's talk about rookie two-way guard Lou Dort. (laughs) He, He came onto the scene this month, too. Absolutely. He actually played his first game with the Thunder 
scored his first points, and then like actually got into a little bit of a scoring rhythm all within a three-game stretch. And that was the first time that we got to see Lou as the super shut-down defender that he really, really can be. Yeah, he had, you know, he got the Wilt Chamberlain treatment on his first two points with the sign held up with the number two on it. And then he had nine points against Utah, and they and added him up going. to 11. It, there is a lot of fun going on. This is when the team really became close, I think, and started to bond in the middle of that December stretch where guys were just having fun. They were loving on each other in, in a lot of, you know, tough situations on the road. They were staying connected. Yeah, the pod crew had to really get in on some of that Wilt Chamberlain action. Me and producer Hendy took a very similar picture with our 13th pod, held up a 13 piece of paper. We'll, we'll find a way to get that picture out there somewhere. <laughs> Thunder, we like to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing for the month of December was that Coach Billy Donovan really got the credit that he deserved and earned Coach of the Month for his team's performance. After Before going into Thanksgiving, the team was 6-11. and 11. After Thanksgiving, up to this point in the season, the Thunder was 34-13. and 13. Just a tremendous turnaround and Coach Donovan really getting the honor that he deserved. Utilizing the entire roster really helped him do that. I remember up in Toronto against the defending champs, Kevin Hervey is up there playing for the Thunder. You know, this is a guy that's back and forth between the OKC Blue and and the Thunder, but he had some crucial minutes in a game that the entire second half of that game was just an absolute dogfight. The window of the lead in that final 24 minutes hardly strayed at all. I mean, it was within maybe five points the entire time. Uh, and so being able to, to put guys in situations to succeed, not be afraid of making mistakes or, or getting, getting things maybe out of whack, out of rhythm, he was able to put guys into situations to utilize the entire roster in ways that they could be effective. Just like we saw Lou Dort really being utilized and now as a starter, just an integral guy in defense and know that you can count on him going up against guys like Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, you name it, just top-notch offensive players. And one of the other things that I thought was very important during this month was that the Thunder took the lessons from November that they learned and now in the same situations in December they were winning those types of games. Nick, you alluded to it earlier, but those clutch time close games, the lessons that they took from November was who can we count on and what are we going to do when the game gets close? You know, are we going to count on coach to call a timeout or are we just going to go for it? Those types of situations with eight new players is just really, really tough for anybody to kind of get an identity as quickly as he did. This is where it kind of came into play. Some of the stuff we've talked about on the pod, Paris, which is late in games, they understand with the three point guards on the lineup on the, on the floor at the same time, no matter what way the opposing defense is guarding them, they can generate the type of shot they want. If they're going to play back in a drop coverage, you're going to get a mid range jumper from Chris or Dennis, a floater or something like that from Shea. If they're going to come up and trap, those guys are going to slip the ball back out and they're going to play with the pass and get a three on two or a two on one on the backside. And then if they're going to switch everything, they're going to isolate, find the mismatch, get the ball to Danilo Gallinari on the block. And then he's going to work from there and guys are going to cut off of him or Steven, whoever's got the ball in a mismatch situation to be able to make the right pass. So really with that five man unit of the three guards, Danilo and Steven, 
they found something at this stage of the season that in those final five minutes, they were going to be able to get points no matter what. And it really helps when you have those guards who are capable of scoring at every single level. One of the things also that really sticks out about Coach Donovan, he says this often, is with Chris and Dennis who are so effective in the mid-range, it's easy for coaches to say, that's not our shot. We're, you go for the highest percentage shots and the highest return on investment with layups and three-pointers. But when you have guys who defy statistics like Chris and like Dennis, you have to use those to your advantage. And I think Coach Donovan does a fantastic job of doing that. That's why those guys yell layup when they take shots at the elbow. That's what, how efficient it is for them. Their mid-range shot was way more efficient than my layups were, for sure. <laughs> Speaking of shots that are easier to make for some than others, Chris Paul actually participated in a ESPN horse challenge, which he went up against Allie Quigley, and we saw some pretty impressive shots from both of them. And really got me thinking, what are your guys' horse go-to shots? Nick, what about you? So my normal one is like a little two, two dribble pull-up jumper going left at the elbow. That's, that's one, but sometimes, sometimes I got to pull back to my childhood and the shots that I used to pretend to be Trajan Langdon curling around a screen playing for Duke back in the day or Christian Leitner catching the pass from Hill, shimmy and fade away at about the, at the nail. So, you know, sometimes I'll go with those shots. You're going for like the easy, like game-like shots. You're not doing the crazy, like off the foot reverse layup shots it's like a whole sequence too yeah i'm I'm not doing the trick shots i'm trying to to recreate greatness it's all about fundamentals with nick indy what about you uh knowing i will never achieve greatness i have a couple shots i you know being a a big man quote unquote growing up i always had to learn how to score around the hoop so i learned how to do the mic and drill which is eight varieties of layups from different positions, but you basically you stand directly under the hoop and you'll do like a right hand twisting around your body backwards off the backboard. And then you switch and do it with the left hand. So you can use those shots in a variety of ways to get people easy letters. And then my other go-to is a free throw, nothing but net. Uh, yeah. You got to hit that your advantage with horse. Yeah. You put the pressure on people when you don't hit ram. Also, as soon as you said mic and drill, my hands started sweating because that is like the one drill that I hated the most playing basketball. It was absolutely terrible. But I will say my go-to shot in horse is right around the rim. And it's, I don't even know if I can make it half the time, but it's great when I do. You throw it behind your back as if you're going to throw a behind the back pass, throw it off the backboard. And it's essentially just a layup, but you throw it behind your back. And it's a really tough shot to make right around the rim. If that goes in, that's an H on me for sure. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's very high risk, high reward shot. It's a, I mean, that's a wow factor shot too. That's impressive. You, you got to give the people what they want, you know? You're getting in people's heads when that goes in. I'm, I'm certainly frightened. Let me tell you that. <laughs> We've now come to that point in the podcast where we want to bless your timeline. And 
December was full of blessings because it was the holiday season between Christmas and New Year's Eve. There were so many awesome things that the Thunder did in the community. We'll just go around the table here and what were your guys' favorite moments from that holiday season? Mine was Chris Paul going to Target and giving each kid a certain amount of money to go shop for Christmas presents. But the caveat was one of those presents had to be for somebody else. And it was a really nice lesson in terms of, you know, making sure that these kids were not only judicious with the, the money that they got and saved some to get something for somebody else, but were really thoughtful and intentional about doing something nice for others and kind of passing that forward, that, that generosity from Chris. Multiple lessons learned in that day. And it's such a, it was so fun to just watch the video from that and see all the smiles on kids' faces and know that, you know, some of them actually bought, you know, presents first for other people before thinking about themselves. So that was absolutely one of my tops as well. Great choice, Nick. Indy, what about you? I, I love the one Nick chose, you know, it was, it was for kids that were in the Big Brothers Big Sisters program, which is always great seeing all the programs that the Thunder helps out with. And then my favorite was when the entire team took uh, foster families from Citizens Caring for Children to Dave and Buster's. It was kind of a two-part event. They gave a bunch of Thunder swag and brand new Nikes to all of these kids, all these families who were just like lit up. I remember Chris Paul actually, you know, had, did the whole dad thing where he helped a kid put on her, her brand new shoes, check the toe. You got to check the toe, make sure it's gonna, they can grow into it. And then they all got to go play games for like half an hour. And that was a lot of fun just seeing how much the players liked playing these games. I remember Dennis playing Papa Shot with a kid whose favorite player was Dennis. And he didn't tell him that at the time because I think he wanted to keep the competitive edge. But uh, it was just a lot of fun. I got to edit that video and it was a lot of fun to shoot and edit and put together. Indy, I think it was his birthday too. That was just an incredible day for him all around. Yeah, that's right. And I think he actually won one of the games against Dennis. So I'm sure that's like, that's a story he's going to be telling his whole life. It's like, yeah, you remember Dennis Schroeder? I beat that guy in Papa Shot. That's that would go on my resume, my business cards, <laughs> right below the title. My favorite moment from the holiday season was actually kind of later in December. It was when Darius, Shay, and Mike all went to Bricktown Ballpark, and they had set up this winter fest complete with a snow slide, and Darius was very, very particular about how he helped these tubes get down the slide. He was going for maximum speed and he was just very, very technical about how he did it. But you could tell all the kids are having so much fun. Mike was in the concession stand doling out hot chocolate. And the, the pinnacle of all of it was when Darius actually got a hot chocolate from Mike but he didn't realize how hot it was. He drank a little bit and just spit it out everywhere because it was so hot. <laughs> but yeah, it was actually just a super fun time and a lot of smiles, but I think it was one of those things where everybody was just having a good time. It, was, it wasn't as cold, so there wasn't actual snow. It was a lot of artificial snow, but a really fun time for everybody. That wraps up our December look back. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much to our producers. And until next time, thunder up and catch you later.